Welcome to the Holistic Accountant Podcast. The aim of this podcast is to demonstrate how accountants must employ a holistic approach to help their clients maximise wealth. It's not just about preparing tax returns. So each week, Mina Abraham and I will discuss topics to help you better understand some of the things your holistic accountant can help you with. Okay, today we're going to answer the question, can you use your super to invest in uh, property? And we're really talking about residential property here, but could be commercial as well. So, Mina, can you? Uh, yes, um, but you do need to set up a self-managed super fund. Um, they are the only uh, investment vehicles that allow you to use your super funds uh, to invest in direct property. Um, that is because you need to set up what is called a limited recourse borrowing arrangement with a bank. Um, you can't do that with the industry super funds and or, or RAP platforms or anything yep. like that, so it needs to be a self-managed super fund. And so what's the pros and cons of setting up a self-managed super fund then? Well, obviously, it's a lot more costly to maintain than, yeah. than an industry fund. Um, so you've got uh, large est- establishment costs and, and then ongoing compliance costs. Um, every year, the self-managed super fund needs to be independently audited as well, um, as well as the insurance policies. Now, as part of the industry fund, you generally get a, a lower uh, a lower insurance premium cost than what you would when you have to obtain an, uh, a standalone insurance policy. So it does become a lot more costly to maintain. So you, you need to be sure that the investment returns outweigh all these costs. Yeah, sure. And then you've got to think about sort of borrowing capacity as well. So, um, you know, if you've got $100,000 of super, how far is that going to get you? Well, you need to you typically can borrow up to 70% of a property's value. So in your super, you need to have enough money to pay for the 30% deposit plus costs. So stamp duty, uh, buyer's agent fees, you know, those sorts of things, uh, set up costs, uh, legal fees, and so forth. And then also you'd want to have a, a bit of a buffer in the account as well, because obviously if you go and buy an investment property and borrow 70%, it's very unlikely that the interest is going to be enough to pay for all the costs, including interest. So there'll be a a shortfall there, which you'll need to compensate. Now, obviously, you can make super contributions to soak up that negative cash flow, but you'd really want to have a bit of a buffer in there. So you really need to have a a sizable amount uh, in super to make it worthwhile. Otherwise, if your budget is too low, so your budget for the property purchase is too low, uh, you're going to end up making some compromises in terms of quality. And we all know that you know spending less on a property gets you a lower quality property uh, and over the long run is likely then to generate lower returns. So therefore not very worthwhile. Uh, also, the lender is going to have a look at your contribution history. So in terms of servicing the loan, uh, of course, the lender can rely on the rental income that the property is going to generate, um, but also uh, they will rely on contributions But if you haven't contributed to your super for the last 20 years, uh, you can't magically turn around and say, oh, I'm going to change that. Uh, Lenders won't um, put a lot of reliance on, you know, what you plan to do in the future. It's really about what you have done. So uh, even if you're contemplating doing something like this, you really want to start thinking even a couple of years out to really boost your super contributions um, to demonstrate you've got the capacity to be able to contribute that amount. That's right. And you also need to consider liquidity. Um, you know, if you're going to put all your eggs or super monies in, in one property, you've got to make sure that there's going to be enough funds for you to, you know, be able to draw, draw on those rental returns that when you come into pension phase. Because generally when you're in, uh, you retire and want to draw out a pension, you've got to draw out a minimum of 4%. Yep. Um, now, if you're 60 and have just invested in a property, it's likely that all your 
all your capital is tied into the property and you're not going to be able to meet that that 4% minimum pension. So you'll be just forced to sell the property. Um, conversely, if you're 25 and, and invested in a property and you know it's grown for you over 30 years, um, it's likely that your rental return will be low, but your capital re- capital growth will be high. Yep. So you're not going to, again, achieve a 4% minimum pension. So you really got to make sure that your super is well invested um, and that not all your eggs are in one basket. Yeah, spot on, Mina. And um, really, from our perspective, if clients are investing in property and, and, sorry, borrowing to invest in property, we typically want them to do that outside super rather than inside super. I mean, certainly super is tax effective. Um, you know, if you go and buy a property and uh, sell that property in pension phase, uh, potentially pay no capital gains tax. So it is attractive from that perspective. But the ta- ongoing tax benefits and negative gearing benefits are much lower as well. So we typically want the gearing outside of uh, super and have uh, ungeared investments inside super. So it's not a terrible idea to go and buy property in your in a self-managed super fund, but you really want to think, um, you know, holistically about you know how it fits into your overall investment strategy uh, and whether uh, that is the right environment to do that. Thank you for listening to the Holistic Accountant podcast. To find out more, please visit holisticaccountant.com.au.